Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hey everybody, it's Paul Carruthers. I'm the communications manager for Moto America, and this is another episode of Off Track, our weekly podcast. I'm joined again today by uh, my cohort in crime, uh, Sean Bice, who's out in Ohio. I'm in Southern California. And our guest today, who we'll tell you about in a few minutes, is actually uh, in his truck somewhere in Texas, I believe, Conroe. So um, that might give you a little bit of a hint. But how are you today, Sean? I'm doing well. Hey, we're almost to the end of January now, um, moving into February, which is, of course, always the shortest month of the year, but seems like the longest month of the year for me. But we're moving ever so closely to the beginning of the season. So it's getting excited about that. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty pumped today. We have uh, two-time world champion, world superbike champion, Colin Edwards. Uh, he was an AMA rider way back when. It's I got a quick story. It, it, I think it was, it would have been 1992. This tall, skinny Texan showed up at Daytona with a with a. That was the story I was going to tell Paul, but go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. That's it's, funny. No, it's and, better. It's better coming from you because it's related to cycle news. But yeah, it was actually 1991. So go ahead. Good stuff. I was I was um, you know, I was working for Cycle News at the time, and I stumbled upon this kid, and I sort of had an idea who he was because I'd heard he was some hotshot kid that was coming to race for his, I guess what would have been his first professional AMA uh, 250 race. And I was kind of interested in him a little bit too, because his father was Australian and I actually got to talk to his father who's Colin senior. And I talked to him, uh, prior to call, talking to Colin and I'm like, Oh, I want to need to do an interview with this kid. And, uh, and we did so. And it turned out that, uh, I think it was his first interview in cycle news and, uh, it, it, it went really well. He was a nice kid. And then of course I instantly saw, um, for the first time, how good he was on a motorcycle. And the rest is kind of history because, as everybody knows who's listening to this show, he went on to uh, to great things. I always had a good relationship with him. I always had a great relationship with his father, who unfortunately passed away. Uh, I've been to his camp. He's the uh, he's the owner of Texas Tornado Boot Camp, and uh, yeah, he's a, he's a good dude. He's uh, he's always involved in motorcycling. He worked with Moto America um, the first year doing some color commentary on TV. And he now does, uh, he's now an analyst for MotoGP with BT Sports. Unfortunately, we don't have access to that. I see some clips every once in a while that seem to get snuck through on, uh, on social media. Um, he's in a good team over there. He's got, a, you know, Neil Hodgson and some other people in there. So it's a quality little uh, broadcast group. And, and I know Colin does a good job with it. And it's, I think he's having a lot of fun and it keeps him involved in MotoGP. So why don't we, uh, we bring Colin in and, and have a little chat with him? Sounds good. Good morning, fellas. What's going on? <laughs> We're all good. <laughs> We're doing great. Hey, hey, Colin, so I want to revisit what Paul said from a different perspective when Paul was talking about Cycle News. So Paul was yeah, at hey, Cycle was News. All a, all a bunch of lies. All a bunch oh, of no. Lies. <laughs> no, because I, I didn't know anything about you, didn't know who you were. And I remember that and back in those days, it, I had to get cycle news in order to find out. And it was that October fat by Oktoberfest that year. And I remember uh, just looking at those standings. I was like, Oh my God, this guy, Colin Edwards is winning everything. And you had an RC 30, uh, CBR 600 and a, 
in a TZI. Oh, no, it was an RC30 that you had. But you tell us about, start out by kind of telling us about where that all happened. And you came with three bikes and just went nuts. Yeah, it was, um, <clears throat> yeah, 91 at the CCS races. Uh, that was, that year um, was my first year, let's say, as a novice. Uh, I got my license in 90 and I wanted to go straight expert. And then uh, Connie Brothers here at, uh, at that time, CRRC, she said, please just stay one year a novice. You only got like two races under your belt. So, all right. So did that 91 all novice and won everything. And then Mr. Uh, Eric Clemenage, unfortunately, we, uh, we had Larry Schwartz back, um, that passed away. And, and, but this was before that, but he, he used to help Eric Clemenage used to help Larry Schwartz back. And then once Larry went to the factory or Vance and Hines team, there were some bikes freed up. So we had that RC 30, had a TZ 250. And he said, hey, why don't you ride these bikes? You know, you're pretty quick. And I was like, well, okay, <laughs> you know, and that's how I kind of got with him and the bikes came about. They weren't mine, of course, but we didn't have a pot to piss in. So we couldn't afford that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, make a long story short, it, uh, yeah, there were a couple of guys I showed up at CCS and they were like, who's this factory novice kid with all these bikes? But uh, the, the reality of it is, I mean, Flamenage was, was a good dude, saw some talent and, and wanted his bikes put to good use and it uh, and they got used and and then i think later didn't you also do some stuff at road atlanta that year too yeah we did if i'm not mistaken i entered eight classes i or seven classes at ccs the the only two i didn't win i started on the second wave because i didn't run any any uh qualifiers or anything and then we went to we're to the gnf entered eight races and we won all eight of them so i think it would be a 13 titles to begin with and then and then right after that was miami and i had the tz250 i wanted to go race you know a, a pro race and uh, called ama and they were like you're crazy dude you're a you're a novice you might have won all these races but you still got to do a year expert uh before you can turn <laughs> pro and so, and then they said, well, hold up, let's, because I always started on the second wave on the novice races, but a lot of times I would be fighting for the overall lead at our local events. Um, and so they went back and recalculated all the scores. If I was an expert and I had to have like 300 points, well, I had like 600, I had double that. Um, so they said, okay, provisionally. We'll give you a pro license to go race in Miami. Just don't be an idiot. Don't don't go take anybody out. Um, and I went out there, and it was me and Felice dicing it out. I led the beginning of the race. He passed me, and I finished second in my first pro race. So it was a pretty good debut. I didn't crash, take anybody out. So the next year, I just went from you know novice straight to, to pro. Okay, so Sean Sean made me feel really old and senile because I said 92, but it was 92 at Daytona when we did the interview because that would have been your first. Yeah, both of y'all were right. Y'all were talking about different Daytonas. The, the, the one in 91, obviously, Sean was talking about. You are talking about 92. That's rare that we're both right because usually it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> usually it's just you. Sure. Uh, too um, funny. But, but, I mean, it's amazing. You showed up at Daytona for the, the uh, Biketoberfest. Entered it, you know, five five national championships, then won eight of them. Like you said, a total of thirteen between Road Atlanta and uh, and Daytona. And before that, you were 
racing motocross, I guess you probably did a little bit of road racing, but probably not a lot. How in the heck did you do that? I mean, that's amazing that early um, on. Uh, well, man, I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, all motorcycle, anybody that has the drive to do what we've done, you know, all the guys I used to race with, we're all kind of weird anyway. You know, I mean, we have this <laughs> OCD or this mentality of, of fight, uh, you know, never give up. I don't know what it is we have, but it's just weird. Um, and obviously I motocrossed, you know, for years, age three to 14 and, and I rode with Brad Shaw and Emig and, and all the Brian Schwink and all these guys back in the day. Um, and then at 14, I was just, I mean, I was 85 pounds, uh, four foot 11. I was a little guy, uh, won some national championships, uh, punk and Loretta on little bikes and stuff like that. But I just got tired of it, to be honest. Uh, it was it was go ride every day, uh, come home, clean filters, wash bikes, wash gear, maybe get the homework done, maybe get the bike to eat, and the next day, same thing. Then you go out to the track, you forgot to wash your gear. Everything smells like a bucket of butts. And it's like, you got to go out and do it again. And it just became such work at 14. Um, I was over it, to be honest. And that's all I knew. So it took a year and a half or a couple of years off, I forget, played tennis at school and, you know, got some hair in my nuts and chased girls <laughs> around a bit. And, <laughs> and, and then it got to a point where it's like, man, I got I to gotta do something. I got to figure out what I'm going to do. And uh, senior, my dad, he had a plan. He bought me a, my first bike on the road was an FCR 1000 1988 model, which had a million horsepower at that time for for the age so that was my transport to school and then uh, we ended up getting another bike and we went to the he said let's just go watch a local race let's just go so we went there and sure enough jeff covington that i used to motocross with and mop the floor with him he's out there winning uh, the local event i thought well hell if he can do it you know i i, I, I gotta give this a shot and pretty much that kind of is what started i mean senior at the end of the day, he wasn't, he wasn't dumb. He was pretty smart and kind of placed all the eggs in the right baskets. And it, we just all had to meet and come together and it uh, happened. So now you're back to smelly gear with your kid, I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, man. We, so Hayes, it, real, real quick story. He's obviously, he beats all of us here at the boot camp. I mean, he just won the national both classes last year. He's so fast here at boot camp and never done any motocross. So he's like, hey, I want to go race. First motocross race was this last weekend at Three Palms. He goes out there, wins his first race, and he's like, I want to do this. And he's like, I hate baseball now. I hate baseball. I'm like, dude, buddy, you don't have to hate something to do something else. Let's just, let's <laughs> take this as it goes. So we've been baseballing since he was, you know, T-ball. I've been coaching and stuff. But now it looks like I'm buying a race trailer and we're going racing. Oh, man. Wow. So will it, will uh, it be motocross uh, initially? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's full moto right now. He is eight up with it. It's eight up with it. And, I, I mean, honestly, I've, I raced this past weekend. I haven't been behind a starting gate in 31 years. And I got behind that gate and got a little bit nervous, to be honest, in over 30 and over 40 class. But I did all right. I didn't go home in a in an ambulance or end up at the hospital. So you didn't loop out off we the gate? Good no, and they had the new metal gate, but there were some guys looping off of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, it's funny, Colin. We'll, we'll t- Paul and I will talk with guests that we have on here or amongst ourselves sometimes about this. But, you know, when you have a, when you have a child, it, there's no guarantee that that kid is going to have any interest in doing what you did. Uh, and sometimes they're almost the opposite. Um, you, I'm sure you, well, you said about Hayes doing baseball, you know, you let him kind of do his own thing, but he's gravitated towards moto. And do you think it's just something in the genetics or, you know, him seeing being around the sport quite a bit? I mean, what, what, what do you think has got him to be on his own in terms of loving the sport? You're not pushing him into it. In other words. Yeah, no, I mean, I do everything I can do to pull him away from it. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I don't say, hey, we got to go ride. Or, you know, I used to get the tap on the forehead when I was sleeping in the morning when he was, you know, four or five years old, wake me up. Hey, can we go ride today? I'm like, sure, buddy, we can go ride. And we just come out here to boot camp and ride all day. So it it's material. The baseball, unfortunately, that's what we did to go have fun and, you know, gotten other coaches and friends. And he's burnt out on it. He's just burnt out on baseball. And he's, but in his head, I know right now with this motocross being new and he's having so much fun with it, spring ball is about to start up. He's thinking we're going to be away playing tournaments, you know, 12 or 14 tournaments this year. And that could be 12 or 14 weekends. I could be riding motorcycles. So he's doing the math on, he's going to miss out on a lot of riding. Uh, but I, I don't, I'm not going to make him play baseball. I don't want to ruin him on it forever. If I make him play, then he's going to be ruined. So let's just, let's, Ride the wave, roll with it, and we'll see where it goes. Has he had any? Has he ridden on the pavement at all? Yeah, we got a couple of valleys here that uh, we just got this year, and I thought this would be interesting. Got him some leathers made. Went out to Speed Sports over here in New Caney, and uh, we rolled around for a day, and it was not natural. I can tell you that he had all kinds of funky body position, and I, you know, give him some teaching and coaching and. But it wasn't natural. It uh, and when we got done, he wasn't like, "I can't wait to go back." This is so. This is amazing. He was just like, "Oh, yeah, that was that was kind of interesting." So, who knows? You know, who knows? I think the motocross guys get better chicks. Maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah, hotter, <laughs> hotter chicks. That's that's the key. Exactly <laughs> rides when they're fourteen. Mm. <laughs> Well, in my case, it's a hotter mom taking out the track. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so, Colin, this may be a dumb question for you, but to your point about it's not kind of natural to haze, just, again, kind of your transition, to, to kind of go from sticking your foot out in a corner to getting your knee down in a corner, was, was that just a natural thing for you to, to be able to do that? Um, well, you have to understand the time, too, because, I mean – you know, Bailey had his accident, that David Bailey, and that freaked me out yep. on the motocross side. Um, and then you had your Lachine, and you're the guys coming up at that time. But at the same time, around that 89, 90, you had Wayne and Kevin, and you had y'all, all these guys that were road racing. And it was becoming, I would say, bigger here in the U.S. And my dad was a road bike freak from day one. I mean, he he loved it. He had a you know a badass bike so that he had for years and um so that kind of when he got me that road bike to ride on the street which man i would never get my kid a fcr 1000 at 16 years old to go ride in the street i mean that's freaking dangerous <laughs> but he 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 knew i had bike skills um 
but at that little bit of year and a half or whatever it was or or a year that I was on the street uh, and not doing anything crazy I was literally commuting to and from school um but you know every now and then me and him go run the back roads and get our knee out so I kind of had a little bit of let's say knowledge of, of of body position and obviously I'm watching you know Wayne Gardner and Wayne Rainey and Schwanz and all these guys on TV so once I got out on a road bike and at Oak Hill and Henderson, um, and it was on, I think it was a Ninja 250 was the first bike I went out on. And I knew pretty much within, I did six, seven laps. I came in. I think my first words to my dad were, dude, I can go fast on this thing. Trust me. And it kind of, you know, that's, and then it was just from that point on progression wise was pretty steep. Um, just always having somebody to chase because you know you start you're slow but we had a couple fast guys here in the club that i could chase and run around with given the fact that you've had success pretty much immediately what what where what was the first time that you remember like going oh man this isn't that easy and things just got a little tougher oh let's see now you're gonna say moto gp (laughs) <laughs> no, no, honestly, honestly, no, I'm not because the the TZ250 year in 92, you know, 91 I rode it, 92 was my first pro year. That year wasn't easy. I broke my navicular scaphoid bone like two races in, so I raced the, quite a few races with a broken navicular. I had surgery, so that part wasn't easy, but we were still winning races. It was a TZ250. It was light, um, two-stroke, which I was used to. Um, and then honestly going up to Vance and Hines in 93, that was a bit of a wake up call, even though I had ridden that RC 30 back in 91, it was a different bike. Um, but then that was when you go, wow, the pace is a lot quicker than the, the old 250. Um, that was, a, and you know, you remember I went my first year in Vance and Hines and didn't do anything. I mean, I was, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't that good. And even, even halfway through 94 it wasn't that good 94 uh, right and and then 94 i just kind of made my mind up that i have to just start winning and i think i won three of the last four or i don't know but i won three in a row or something like that and that's kind of what started and that was just believing in myself um world Superbikes, yeah that was kind of the same as that had a lot of fun good times but yeah i mean going into moto gp after having so much success on a superbike, that was a huge wake up call. Just the the way you ride the bike was different. You you couldn't ride the bike like a superbike. You had to figure the brakes out. You had to figure how much force, much more force, was going in through your arms uh, that you could play with. It was it was a big learning curve. You know, one of the things I want to talk about, Colin, is I had, I, I don't think I was the only one, but for sure I can tell you personally, I had a real big feeling of deja vu this past year with a tall, lanky Texan who all of a sudden re- figured out superbikes and started winning and went on a tear. And now he's going to be in World Superbike. And it's a guy that spent a lot of time at your camp in, in uh, Garrett Gerloff. And he reminded me of you from that 94 season. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time around Mitch Leonard, and we used to talk about you quite a bit. He And he told me about going into mid-Ohio in 94, which is when you started that winning streak. And he he was trying to check with you to make sure it was the bike okay and everything. 
Um, and you said to him, well, yeah, Mitch, I think everything's good. I, I think the rider just needs to pull his head out of his ass. And <laughs> ended up yeah. winning that weekend and went on a tear. So um, does it, do, you re, do you remember that conversation with Mitch and all that? I do. And this is going to sound so freaking corny. And I'm sure I've told you all the story, but just to rehash it a bit. You know, I mean, being, well, so I would have been 20 years old in 94. And having tons of talent, and but just not the belief, you know, it was just there was something in my head that wasn't wasn't right. And I literally was up at two in the morning one night, just watching TV with my brother and his motivational guy come on, talking about how to believe in yourself and what you have to say to yourself, and instead of having doubt, follow through with this and this. It just literally common sense things, to be honest. So I ordered the tapes and I listened to them and it was like, commit, you know, don't say hi, hope, hope, wish, can't try, take those out of your dictionary. If you're going to do something, just say you're going to do it and go ahead and do it. And it just kind of, uh, the one thing was the more you commit. So I remember that weekend in mid-Ohio, they're like, hey, you going to win? And everybody that asked me, I was like, yep, I am going to win. <laughs> so then the, the more you commit, the more you believe it in your heart really is where this was going. And I damn sure did. I committed. And I went out there and won it and won the next one and won the next one and then fought for pole position with Scott Russell, who's the world champ previous year and got pole at Road Atlanta, uh, but he ended up winning the race. It was that that's when the self-belief at Mid-Ohio really kicked in. But yeah, you're right. Hey, back to Garrett Gerloff, almost the same story, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, felt like it. The, yeah, the, the kids had tons of talent for years, which we've known about, but just that gritty dirty get in there and do it it's kind of been lacking a little bit um but now you can see it i mean the kids uh, the kids on fire. i think you'll have success in world superbike do you agree i do i do and it you know it helps coming off of how he's how he's been riding this there in 2019 i mean it helps coming off of that high and going into something else because somebody's believing in you to get you over there so this is your shot and it uh i think he'll do he'll do great you know it's funny how it's kind of concentrated on texas but you know of course that 2009 season with ben spees when he went over and did so well that first year you know i, I think it would be insane to even imagine that that garrett could do something like that but you know this is something i've never asked you colin when when ben went into world superbike did you expect him to do what he did that year uh no to be honest i did not um there's two parts of this story i did not expect him to just show up at a brand new track and dominate i mean that's was out of the question i, I would have bet a million dollars it was never going to happen but he did it over and over and over um but then when you you know obviously ben was my teammate uh what was that oh nine or ten whatever whichever year it was um but he he told me the story about how hard they were riding here, which we used to see it, you know, him and Maladin and the guys, I mean, whenever there was still money around in the U.S., those guys were beating it out. I mean, beating each other and trying to kill each other on the track. So, <laughs> I mean, they were riding hard. It's not like it was a national championship level, which I shouldn't say that in a bad way. Um but, you know, your national championship level seems to be a little bit lower usually. And I just say that based on Tony Elias coming over here and dominating his first year. You know, we've seen it over and over. Um, but for him to do that on the world stage, World Superbikes, I was 
that was impressive. That's, and that's when he left there and came to be my teammate at uh, Tech Three. I knew before he even got there that he, he was going to be kicking my ass. I mean, I was going to try to stop it, but he just was on fire. That's not a good feeling. No, no. I mean, <laughs> but you have to understand too. I mean, hell, I was thirty-six years older. I mean, you know, I knew that my time was. You know, hell, I got went into GP at twenty-nine. I mean, you look at Lorenzo just retired at what thirty-two or something. I mean, I got into MotoGP way too late, but uh, I enjoyed it anyway. Still, talk to me a little bit about after your MotoGP career ended. You did you you did some tire testing. Um, it's, and you're always pretty good at that. That's got to be a difficult thing to do, yeah. isn't it? Um, you know, I was always, y'all know me. I was never ragged, out of shape, uh, uh, knees flying. You know, I was never that kind of rider. I always kind of was smooth and calculated. Um, and I enjoyed being able to stay smooth and calculated and find time and tires or bike setting or whatever it may be. You know, if I could find two tents and not have to put out any more effort, game on, I'm in. Um, but when you have to put in double the effort to find a tenth, I was out on that. <laughs> so uh, that's where tire tests, and I loved it. I mean, to be honest, it was, and the the relationship I had with Michelin, obviously, and Superbike days, uh, and then to come back kind of to them at a test track, it was in all more or less the same faces. Um, it was easy. I mean, it was easy. I mean, it, it, there's no uh, no grandeur about it. I mean, there's you know nobody out there asking for your autograph or no brawly girls. You're just out there grinding away. But uh, I enjoyed it. I got I got a double question for you, Colin. So. Uh, this is going to be maybe tough or maybe not. We'll see. So what was the best bike you ever rode and who was your favorite, who was your most favorite teammate you ever had? Oh, let's see. Best race bike. Mm. I, that's a two-parter uh, as well. My first, if, if I think about like one of my dream bikes, fun bikes, uh, the 92 TZ250. I love that thing. Obviously, it was my first pro year. Um, it still stands out in my brain as such a fun bike to ride. I actually went to went to Barbara a couple years ago and did a few siding laps around at their, uh, the vintage weekend on that same bike. And I was like, oh, my God, I miss this bike. It was so much fun. <laughs> um apart from that uh my o2 um or sp2 the you know the honda rc51 sp2 the the oh, second yeah. version of it that bike not the bike i shouldn't say was that great but we had just built two we had built a front tire around that chassis that you could get away with murder uh, for so that but that tire, it's weird. Nobody else could ride it. I, I could ride it on that bike and get away with anything and break lap records and do whatever, win races. Uh, but nobody else liked it. it. Just that combination, me, tire, and bike, it all worked good. And as far as let's go with GP real quick, my favorite GP bike, definitely not the 03 Aprilia. That thing <laughs> tried to light me on fire a number of times. <laughs> the cube. The cube. <laughs> 
<laughs> the cube. No, I would say um, uh, either the maybe the oh five or oh six Yamaha um motor gp bike the the seven was when we went to 800s and i did not like mm -hmm. that bike at all uh, so i would say five or six those bikes are pretty similar hmm. okay and how about how about your favorite teammate uh favorite teammate um i mean it's hard to pass on valentino i mean he, he was right. a great teammate we got along fine it's just a different world um you know, I walk out of the truck and the factory Yamaha door opens and everybody goes, yeah, and they see it's me and they go, oh, and, <laughs> you know, thinking Valentino's coming out and I'm like, it's all right. And by the time they're flipping pages to get to mine, I'm already past the crowd and through the crowd. So, but it was, it was funny. It was good times. Um, honestly, Ben, I think Ben Spees was, uh, we just had great. Uh, camaraderie and i knew where i was in my career I, he knew where i was he knew where he was there was no animosity either way we'd sit and talk about the bike i mean same with valentino um but as far as with ben there was a little more i don't know texas connection maybe well the the video you guys did with yamaha the vacation is <laughs> yeah. absolutely priceless just the greatest i think my favorite part is when you were stretching it was like can you <laughs> We'll have to look for that. Get people to Google or look for that on YouTube. That's a priceless video. Um, yeah. You know, one one other question, Paul. I got one other one related to the TZ250. I want to ask him. Um, so, Colin, every year when we go there with Moto America, you know, I'll go over to the museum and I I always go over and look at your number forty five Southwest Motorsports uh, TZ. And the thing that amazes me is that it's got it's so pockmarked on the front from you know it basically was taken right off the track. And I guess you wrote it like that couple years ago too but i don't know i maybe people know about this but i don't know that they do can you talk about that tail section and and why it looks funny oh yeah that's, that a, that's that's a story in itself isn't it um yeah because i was i was obviously you know five eleven ten and a half or whatever at that time and i couldn't get my knees and elbows i couldn't get my elbows against the tank and my knees together my elbows were outside my knees uh, when I was when I was scooted all the way back, so, and I think it was at Daytona, yeah, because that would have been the first race. We uh, basically, I was just trying to get tucked in to get more slipstream, um, so I started putting my my butt on the back on the top of the seat, um, and it looked weird, obviously, like I'm sitting high, but it was slicker for sure. So that's when we decided to cut like a little step so I could pop my butt back up on that little step um and it worked out good so if we ever had a long straightaway i'd just get back on there and get slick um funny thing was we went to sugo uh end of 92 yamaha invited me to go to sugo some big japanese all japan race had me a bike sitting there and sure as hell they had my tail section they had it custom made with the same little dip in it so I don't know, but uh, it worked. I mean, I don't know if it's caught on yet, but it definitely worked. All right, out. let's let's fast forward a little bit to uh, to now. Um, I was lucky enough when I, one of my last couple of years there at Cycle News to attend um, Collins Texas Tornado oh, Boot Camp, right. and 
I actually, I did the four day camp. So my monkey butt <laughs> lasted like three times as long as that. Because I've honestly, I don't think I've ever ridden a motorcycle that much in my life at one time. And I, it was, it was amazing. And I, I obviously recommend it to, uh, to anybody that, that, that would like to do that because it's, it's guaranteed fun. It's like, it, it, it's hard to even describe how much fun it is. You have fun all day. Um, I think that the, the way that you've got it set up where you can actually st stay yeah. over, I think that makes all the difference in the world and turns it into a true Definitely. camp. Um, but you, you've obviously, I mean, I don't know how long you've been doing it now. Maybe you could tell us that, but, um, I can hear a bike in the <laughs> yeah, background already, but, uh, I'm, I'm walking away from it, but I know it's, Go. it's, it's, I mean, I think it's like a wonderful thing for you to be doing. And I think it's also good for you. I think it's been something that you've really enjoyed putting together and, and it obviously shows. So tell us a little bit about the tornado. Yeah, boot camp. it's uh, honestly, I bought this piece of property, uh, I think in Oh three and Kind of the story was just somewhere I built a metal building out here. Uh, the guy had kind of raped all the topsoil off of it before I got it. And I was like, perfect. It's all red clay. That's what <laughs> I want anyways. It takes all the work away from me. And so came out here, put a little metal building uh, and just kept bikes in there. Um, and we come out ride every weekend uh, or afternoon whenever we could. Um, shoot a few guns you know if somebody had something new break it out we had a little target we'd shoot and then after the guns were over we might have a few beers and hang out here and have a bonfire so this kind of progressed and kept going on and on so obviously that was 0304 and then it was about i'm gonna say 08 or 07 uh and actually it was, actually it was my wife alicia she's like what are you gonna do when you stop racing because it's not it's coming up you know i mean uh retired in 14 so this would have been five or six years before that i was like man i don't know i think it'd be a shame to crawl in the dirt and not teach or not kind of hand away some skills i've learned um and just go quietly i think it would uh, i'd like to help or teach or coach um so then uh, then i had a, actually I had a conversation with bob Starr at yamaha and was kind of giving him this idea and he said, whatever you do, don't wait till you retire. Just do it now. Just get it going because it, it always looks better if you get it going instead of, you know, retired. Now what the hell am I going to do? So pretty much pulled the trigger. Uh, well, actually, Mike Myers, my best friend here, that's when he came before the Bob Star conversation anyways. He said, hey, man, I think people will come here and uh, I think people want to do this. It's like, what are you talking about? He said, look. We could bring people over, we could come up with a school, and we could do this and buy a bunch of bikes. And Then he got my wheels turning, and I've been to a number of, uh, of these schools, guest instructed, you know, with Pridmore and Spencer and the whole nine yards. And it was always a similar, you know, show up at 8, get continental breakfast, a little bit of classroom, go ride, 5 o'clock, all right, see you all tomorrow. And everybody goes their separate ways and gets in different hotels. And I, I lost a little bit of connection or camaraderie or whatever that was. So once the wheels started turning on Texas Tornado Boot Camp, it was we built the arena because I knew a lot of my clients were going to be European. And once we got done with that, we had everything. I said, you know what? We have to build a hotel. That's it. I mean, we just everybody has everybody has to stay on premise. If I'm going to do this, I want to do it right. Um, so that's when we decided to build the saloon, 
uh, hotel and all that. So it sleeps, I don't know, 32. Um, but it, it's turned into something bigger and better than what I guess I was imagining. Uh, first off, there's only one in the world like it. Um, it's just so much fun. I can't, I love it when boot camps come around. How many are you doing a year now? We've got one starting Monday, which is our racer camp, seven days. So it's Monday through Sunday. Uh, we do pre-coda for four days. We do post-coda for four days and then our Halloween camp. <clears throat> so basically four that are open to the public, but then we hatch, we actually have, I think 11 or 12 on the calendar. And those are going to be uh like our private ones you know tucker or uh service pavilion or a ride camps or that you know just corporate stuff now as far as actually being retired i mean you, you're retired from racing but obviously the travel and stuff hasn't slowed down that much because your tv deal is that you enjoy the tv thing a lot with the bt sports yeah i'm not retired man i'm retired from riding from racing but i mean it's so freaking flat out now my schedule i think it's worse than what it was when i was racing to be i honest. think so too <laughs> i used to have some weekend you know just used to wake up on a thursday and go hey what are we gonna do this weekend hey well i'm gonna go get on the boat yeah yeah now if i want to get on the boat i gotta plan the crap six months in advance and like block out my schedule and hey we're traveling this week we're going to lake travis that's how i have to do it i can't just if i don't block it out it gets filled up um, but anyways back to the traveling yeah i mean it's still traveling don't get me wrong but at the same time man my wife couldn't handle me 365 days a year so i i have to <laughs> i have to go and come and go and come and, and it keeps it all new has the TV stuff gotten easier? I mean, as you as the comfort level grown? Yeah, it's gotten easier. It, at the end of the day, just be yourself. I mean, you don't really have to do anything. Just don't say any bad words. You know, and that's kind of hard for me. It's hard for me right now. So you can't be yourself. It's hard for me talking <laughs> to y'all right now. <laughs> but, but just clean it up a little bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you said it in the beginning with the crew I got. I mean, Gavin Emmett, Neil Hodgson, Susie Perry, uh, Keith Hugh and Michael Lavery. I mean, we're all, we're a good group. Um, there's nobody has it out for anybody else. We're all just good friends. And, and, and that makes it easy too. Mm. Good. Um, I got to ask you another way back one or kind of way back. So, uh, God, he always goes way back. No, yeah, way I mean, <laughs> just a magical time, but no, I want, I actually want to talk about somebody who is one of, one of my, a person who I admire as much as anybody else in this industry or even in the world. And it, aside from Paul, um, and, and it's a guy that kind of started with you early on when you were doing, uh, motocross as a youngster. And I also think he had something to do with maybe that, uh, ride that you had at Sugo and getting them to put the right tail piece on that that tz when you raced and it's it's tom halverson can you yeah. can you talk colin about tom i mean he was involved with you very early on and kind of almost got he's the one that a little bit got you going on road racing or at least helped you with that um talk about halvey a little bit if you would yeah yeah and i knew you were talking about tom like the first thing you said about him but he uh 
time it's a weird story because you know i mean i used to get uh i was kind of right behind bradshaw i guess on the yamaha days of motocross they were grooming him and then i was right behind and they were grooming me and free bikes and all that shit or stuff and uh <laughs> <laughs> see there we go um that's all right but but we show up at uh punka and loretta and tom will be my mechanic you know working on the bike so and kind of lost touch you know for that year and a half or whatever it was we went to uh the gnf i think it was maybe 90 or it wasn't 91 maybe it was 91. i can't remember but anyways we're sitting on the on the uh sitting on the grass and here's tom halverson over here taking lap times like what in the world are you doing here and he's like oh yeah we're for the road race team I was like no way that's so weird we're getting into road racing and kind of got this you know that was kind of my end you know back to yamaha obviously was tom um and at that time you know larry griffiths and all those guys and keith uh, or and mccarty and all that well, i mean knew all those guys from motocross days it uh, kind of naturally transpired itself, obviously with the help of Tom Halverson, uh, to get back on a Yamaha and, and get into the road race side of things. So, and you talk about, I mean, the, he was at my wedding. He was one of my best men. He was just, uh, I mean, me and Tom go way back. And uh, yeah, I'd give him a left foot for that guy for sure. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I love that guy. I wanted to have you talk about him. Thank you for that. Yeah. Okay, guys, what do you think? Uh, I, Sean, I know you got another question somewhere in there. Well, I mean, I, I think isn't isn't Hayes going to be, is he going to be 13 this year? Or is he already 13, Colin? He just turned 14 at the, in December. 14. So, yeah, 14. 14. He's, 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 he's uh, of age for Liquamali Junior Cup, so if you can get him off that dirt bike, we'd love to have him in our series, that's for sure. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> Tell me about it. I, I, he's ate up with it. I can't, I, man, honestly, we, I haven't been to the motocross track since 06. I mean, I, I kind of retired <laughs> my motocross in 06. That used to be my training. Uh, but then I was like, man, I'm going to get hurt and get old for this stuff. Now he's just ate up with it. So I figured I may as well go out there and ride with him a little bit and get, get a workout in. <laughs> Do they know who you are when you show up there? um yeah yeah there's a there's i mean the word spreads pretty fast so you know try to be incognito no name on the jersey or any of that stuff but as soon as you know somebody figures it out then everybody figures it out i would just put sean bice on my jersey yeah, yeah just you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. nobody would believe the guys uh you know it's funny when i when you post your your uh times from your camp and you know i always like to look at those and see who who's done what, and, you know, you see Shay, uh, Shay Fuchek on there, of course, who used to be a road racer in, in uh, AMA. And yep. Hayes, Hayes is always like right at the top, way, oh, way faster than everybody else. It's unbelievable. I'm, I'm telling you, he's so fast out here. It's unbelievable. I mean, you, nobody keep up with him. I mean, you can get bigger guys like Shay. We can get in front of him and we can block him a bit, but he'll always find a way by. He's just a little light. I think he weighs, what, maybe 90 pounds now. So... You know, when you're dealing with, uh, our bikes might have nine or 10 horsepower. When you're dealing with that and 90 pounds and you're carrying an extra 100 or 70 pounds, it's not going to work. <laughs> not with his yeah. skills. 
Yeah, I was going to say, forget the weight. Just go with the fact that he's better than you. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm trying to make up excuses here, man. You're trying to rain on my parade. <laughs> hey, hey, Colin, I don't I don't know if you saw it or not, but I know it, I see you. I follow you on social media, Twitter, and you're pretty good in that stuff. And um, I don't know if you saw the Throwback Thursday that I put up for, for today, but it was from 92. It was you and a photo of you and, and KRJR. And it, that was a photo I personally took at Loudon. I don't know if you saw it, but check it out if, if you haven't. I'll have a um, look. Yeah, I'll have a look. Yeah. Yeah. It's you guys on your TZs. So it was a good day to do that. It was an, I've been saving that one for a special occasion. And once we got <laughs> you on this podcast, I'm like, okay, I'm going to release the hounds. So this is it. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Colin, in, in closing out this, um, what, what advice would you give to a young up and coming Moto America racer who wants to go international racing at this point? Because I know things are different now than they used to be. Um, yeah. You're not Wayne Rainey. You don't show up and just ride around the outside of everybody and somebody says, okay, he's the greatest guy I've ever seen and here's your contract. What, wh how can they get there and wh what should they do to get there? And once they're there, how do they stay? Because you're oh, able to do both. Yeah. That's a tough one. I mean, I wish I knew the exact formula to make all the, or what to say. Um, at the moment, it's tough. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, money has a big thing to do with it. Where you live, what passport you hold nowadays has a lot to do with it. Um, a young Moto America kid, all I could say is it's not enough to win uh unfortunately and then this is a conversation i had with i had this conversation with garrett Gerloff driving home from the uh airport one day i flew in this was probably two years three years ago and i said man it's cool and this is when he was still in super sport i said it's fine you winning that's great but what i need to see and what you you need to do to wake somebody up or the eyes that are watching is you have to destroy them you have to get out. Mm. Don't don't get out a second and put it on cruise control. Get out and keep going. And you win by 10 seconds, 12 seconds, whatever you can win by to just make it look bad. And <laughs> that's yeah. that. Wayne says the same thing. He does. Um, Wayne says yeah. that. Yep. Unfortunately, that's, you know, when you when you got everybody within half a second, that doesn't really tell you much. But when you got somebody that is willing to go out there and push and give every last penny drop of whatever they have, that's somebody that that these team owners and, and bosses are going to look at and 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 follow your dreams. That's all. I mean, that's that's the the key. Just destroy and follow your dreams. Don't go out there and be happy being winning by two tenths of a second that's that's not showing anybody anything well i think yeah. that's i think that's very good advice and uh again like i said a second ago it's it's kind of what wayne preaches as well it's like it doesn't do you any good to win by half a second one week and get second by half a second the next week and win by half a second the third week you got to just no you got to show that you just dominate the guys that you're racing against and that you're ready to move on so um, yeah, and i appreciate I mean, if that you look at well, you look at MotoGP or World Superbike, you say, okay, I get it. It's the top guys, you know, win by half a second. These are all the best guys in the world. But on this level, your club level, your national level, if you want to be seen worldwide, which that's going to even be tough, even if you're dominating, but that's just one step to get closer that people take a notice. 
And I also, do, do you agree with the fact that, I mean, I think at this point in time, if you're an American, you maybe even have to do a little bit extra once you're there. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Um, man, it's tough though. I'm telling you, they have some young kids now that, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I'm not growing up in this age, to be honest, because it, the, these kids are putting everything they got on the line at age 14, 15. Um, I didn't even start racing until I was 16. So it's, it's crazy. It's progressed to such a level of young kids that have maturity that are just balls out fast. And it's hard yeah. to stop them. All right, guys, I think uh, we'll let uh, we'll let the tornado get back to some work over there. And th what happened to the dirt bike? I heard it quit. It, I don't hear it anymore. Yeah, Is it just because no, they pulled away from the house? No, it's Desiree. She's still out there cruising around. And right. I'm freezing, dude. It's like 41 degrees here in Texas. It's a bunch of BS. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, it's about seventy here, so I don't. I guess I should feel sorry for you. Oh God, I'm jealous, <laughs> jealous. Give it, give it two days. It'll be seventy here. That's how it works. Right, right. All right, you two, um, Colin. Thanks a lot for joining us. It was a lot of fun, as I as I knew it would be. And uh, good luck with the TV this year and with the camps. And we'll have you back on again, and we can keep telling old stories for Sean. You got yeah, it. Yeah, please I'll, do. I'll, I'll see you guys in Coda, that's for sure. Y'all be good. Okay. All right, you guys. Sounds All good. Right. Take care of yourself. You. All right. See you. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.